and welcome to the Economy, Land and Climate podcast. In this episode, I spoke to Phil McDonald, the COO of the energy and climate think tank Ember. We've kind of uncovered that methane leaks from uh, Poland's coal mines uh, has a worse climate impact than than Europe's largest coal power station. So all these all these leaks, which are kind of happening in the background and are uh, and are ignored, are actually you know worse than the the well known uh, coal power station that's. Uh, this at the centre of, of the Polish uh, energy sector. I started by asking Phil to explain Ember's work and where things were on the challenge of phasing out the use of coal as a global energy source. I think the best way to put it is we're, we're a collection of, of power sector experts. As you said, Like the power sector is, is what we're focused on. And um, yeah, these, these kind of experts that we've collected together, like many who have worked previously in the, in the energy companies uh, in the UK and elsewhere, and um, and we're all about data. We're about gathering, curating, and analysing the data. Um, uh, and that that could be, you know, um, the amount of uh, coal power in Indonesia, or um, how how much growth there's been in solar in uh, uh, Czechia, um, something like that. We gather all this data together, and then um, and then we try to use that data to change policy. We we grew out of a, an older campaign group called Sandbag that was focused on the the carbon market. Uh, so we set up way back in two thousand and eight, and that that was all focused about fixing this uh, the EU carbon market, which um, which kind of uh, hadn't worked for um, for a long time. All, all of the last decade, it basically wasn't wasn't doing very much, um, and that's kind of where we got this taste for big data that Ember's carried on with now. Um, so. Uh, the, the EU carbon market covers 11,000 or so uh, installations, so factories and power stations. And, uh, and we kind of realized that the, we had all this data on all these, uh, all, all the power sector, all these factories. And, um, and we realized that the real core of, uh, of, of tackling climate change was, um, was these power stations and particularly coal power stations. And so, uh, I mean, you might have heard this, uh, that, that half of the, the emissions cuts that we need in this, this decade, uh, to slow down the climate crisis will come from coal. And so that's our real, we're squarely focused on, on coal. An example of, of what we do, um, one good one, um, recently is kind of using this data know-how to, to uncover the problem of, of methane leaks from coal mines, which, uh, which is a big problem, big, big ignored problem around the world. And uh, so we've we've kind of uncovered that methane leaks from uh, Poland's coal mines uh, has a worse climate impact than than Europe's largest coal power station. So all these all these leaks, which are kind of happening in the background and are uh, and are ignored, are actually you know worse than the the well known uh, coal power station that's uh, that's at the centre of, of the Polish uh, energy sector. So that kind of, um, we reveal that kind of thing, get some media attention for it. Um, and then we, and then we use that, uh, that attention on this new subject to, to try and change policy. And so now we're working with the European Commission to, uh, and, and companies in Poland to, to try and introduce legislation that stops these leaks. Um, and so that's a, that's a great example of what Ember does. I guess the other part of what you're, you're asking about actually is about the, uh, trying to phase out the use of um, the, the use of coal and and kind of where are we on um, on coal? So so I guess with coal, I I've been 
um, personally campaigning against coal way back since uh, since 2008, um, since the the climate camps at King's North Power Station in uh, in the UK, uh, and I think things have changed hugely across that more than a decade. Um, so back then, in back in 2008, the fight was to stop new coal power stations in in the UK. Since then, this with this huge change, it, it, basically coal power is is all across Europe, not just in the UK, is is losing money hand over fist, um, and country after country is is ending coal for good, and the UK is almost there, you know, down to our our last few power stations, which which barely run, which is amazing, um, and uh yeah a good example of that is kind of when we when we helped to found uh europe beyond coal back in 2017 which isn't isn't that long ago um there was this target of trying to get all of european coal closed by 2030 and back then that even back in 2017 which isn't that long ago that looked like a really ambitious aim and i would say just in the last six months it now looks like it's going to happen this decade like it's going to happen before 2030 so um so it's amazing the pace of change with um with coal that's that's really exciting so 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 you know really great news in the uk really great news in in europe um the the kind of issue is that um there's still there's still bits of the world where where coal is still is still king and um so last year, um, looking at what happened in the pandemic, obviously there were huge changes in the power sector. Um, and so, uh, in, in, in places like Europe, in the USA, even in India, coal was falling, um, which is, which is amazing. Um, and there's one country in the G20 that stood out and even despite the pandemic was still growing coal and that's China. Uh, and China is, it's, it's building a staggering amount of renewables. It's building a staggering amount of wind and solar, um, as well as nuclear, as well as hydro. Um, but it just has this extraordinary power sector, uh, the power demand growth. So just the, the demand for electricity is, is, uh, is so huge that it just can't keep up with all these renewables that are being built. Um, and that's why it's the, the only country in the G20 that's, that's still growing coal. Um, and, it's kind of extraordinary to hear that that uh, the per capita demand for energy in China is now above the UK. So it's 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 kind of gone past us now um, because it's this it just industrial powerhouse for the whole world. Um, yeah, and so so that's really the focus is is shifting somewhat. Uh, the coal phase out, we've got to accelerate it still further in in Europe, but we've really got it to get it started in um in asia and in china in particular embers aiming to look at reducing other fossil fuel energies i think you're, you're looking at other types of phase outs of fossil fuels so uh there's talk about i remember you, you've mentioned in the past a phase out of gas by by 2035 um can, can you tell us more about that and how realistic do you think that kind of target is? As I say, kind of following on from this, the coal phase out happening maybe quicker than people were expecting. Uh, there's also this very exciting uh, spoken and unspoken consensus around um, decarbonizing the power sector completely, getting fossil fuels uh, out of the power sector. And that's, that's kind of coming from, from three, um, three leaders on this, which is the uh, we've got, 
uh, Biden in now. Biden is is uh, has committed to a zero carbon power system by 2035. Um, it's it's uh, you know an ambitious target for for the US, but that's very exciting. Um, in the UK, obviously the coal phase out is almost complete, and the climate change committee that advises the government is advising uh, a, a phase out of of gas power. Um, by 2035 so you've got you've got the us you've got the uk and then it's more implied but in the eu um in the eu climate law which is just being agreed at the minute um it's basically implied in the in the target that we're uh we're heading for a, a zero carbon power sector by the by the 20 mid 2030s um so so all of them are kind of uh beginning to collect around this idea of of um of 2035 as being the the time that you need to have a decarbonized power sector in order to to meet this 1.5 target that all these countries have um and that might be slightly later for outside the OECD and um, so maybe for for uh China say it would be 2040 but it's it's really not much later so it's it's all all this kind of power sector decarbonization is going to happen in the in the 2030s um and then that allows us to build off once we've got a clean power sector you can then use the power use all that clean power to to decarbonize everything else so you can decarbonize heat and transport and industry uh, by running off electric um yeah and so so kind of so i think it is quite realistic that uh that we could win those sorts of commitments particularly in the uk uh we you know we're we're kind of past the coal phase out argument now um and uh, and the discussion really has moved on to how we how we eliminate fossil gas completely um the interesting question is uh is around how much of that can come from renewables so so it's it's absolutely uh consensus that wind and solar power are the are the backbone backbone of these uh of these power systems so um you know in the in the uk we're looking at uh wind and solar you know it'd be 90 percent at least of um of, of the power system by the mid 2030s the interesting question and the kind of thorny one is that final 10 percent like how we keep the lights on when it's not sunny or windy um these these bits of the power system that are a little bit more complicated and um and some of that's going to come from from energy storage uh there's some really interesting innovation around really long-term energy storage that lasts for weeks instead of the the hours that the batteries currently last um but uh but yeah there's there's obviously there's a lot of different solutions being proposed from uh in that area in this final 10 percent area and the kind of the interesting bit as we think about the the 2035 gas phase out is is uh some of these higher risk solutions and that is kind of why we began to um to have a little bit of a look at biomass and, and Bex, um, which is uh, this uh, a growing part of the power system. You mention uh, biomass and Bex. Um, that brings us on quite neatly to to another of your of Ember's focuses. Um, and you, you've just published this analysis of the costs of building a bioenergy with carbon capture and storage plant sorry a bex plant at at drax in the uk which you would say would cost 31 billion pounds um why the focus on this yeah um yeah so i think it is good to explain so so um that that kind of 31 billion is the headline but the um to try and explain why ember 
um, who's focused on the power sector, like why why we're we looking at this. Um, there's kind of there's two main reasons. So uh, as the coal phase out is is happening, lots of countries are looking at how the UK has has done the coal phase out, which um, which part of that was uh, replacing our our largest power station, Drax, uh, switching that from coal to biomass. Lots of other countries are looking at that. Uh, that pathway and thinking maybe we can do that too maybe we don't have to close our coal power stations maybe we can just switch them to burning wood um and we we kind of we wanted to check that that was really uh, as good an idea as as uh as it sounds and so that's that's kind of one area we're we're seeing how other countries are, are copying what the uk is is doing and that's especially true around europe as the coal phase out is is accelerating but um you know, it's it, people are looking at that all over the place, and um, and that uh, has an interesting effect, obviously, on the the supply of wood and and who's using it. Um, but yeah, then then the kind of second reason that we have been looking at, at biomass and BEX is uh, is because negative emissions are so so important uh, for climate models, and so they're uh, there's kind of a um, they're built into a lot of, of climate modeling, and there's an assumption that these um, these negative emissions will come from uh, from burning wood, uh, then storing that CO two uh, deep underground with with carbon capture and storage. Um, and so, uh, the UK, the UK is because we're a bit of a bit ahead of things with the coal phase out. We're kind of a, a climate laboratory for what will happen next with um, what happened next with um, with the power sector, and and so uh Drax, which would be the world's first um Bex power plant, uh is is really gonna lead the world in uh to, towards this solution for negative emissions or away from it, um depending how it works. So so that's why we're kind of digging into that a bit more. So c- can you tell us a little bit more about what you actually found from 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 the digging that that you did? Yeah, sure. So so we've been we've been keeping um tabs on on subsidies uh kind of across the power sector um for a few years so there's there's uh, still plenty of subsidies uh paid to uh, coal and uh, and gas plants uh in in the form of the capacity markets obviously less so to coal now as, as it's almost been eliminated um and so we've been trying to shape uh, those subsidies to try and um try and get the government to to use them a bit more efficiently and that led us on to thinking about um to looking at the subsidies that 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 Drax is getting and the um the huge subsidies for for biomass and um and so uh so so they're they're very chunky Drax is getting um got 832 million last year and uh, and then add on uh, all the tax exemptions that it gets and it's it's more than a billion pounds of subsidy annually um and those subsidies are coming to an end in 2027 Drax are looking for their for their next subsidies which um which could come from this proposed Bex um, plant, and so uh, we wanted to to kind of dig into to see to to give a bit of um, transparency to the public about um, about what those costs might be, um, and so we we kind of dug into the literature. We using um, government sponsored studies, so so trying to take stuff that the Bayes already has in the archive um, to make. To make this first public estimate of, uh, of the cost of the of the Bex plant, and uh, and it is this thirty one billion over over twenty five years, um, and uh, we're really um, we're putting that out there, and we're we're appealing to 
to Drax in particular to kind of um, to put their own uh, their own estimate out there, which at the minute has been has been completely um, uh, yeah not not clear how much that will cost. Uh, so so kind of like thirty one billion, it's a difficult number to um, envisage what that what that means, but it's it's a similar scale to to Hinkley, uh, the nuclear project, um, and arguably. Uh, the world's most expensive power project, um, which is which is uh, pretty extraordinary. So it really has to deliver. If it's if it's um, if it's important to do, it could still be worth could still be worth doing. But um, it really does have to deliver for that kind of cost. Um, and yeah, so I think I think we uh, it, it is important to say that it could still it could still be worth doing because um, we've seen a lot of examples of. Uh, of innovative green tech that uh, that has been worth spending some money on. So offshore wind, um, it was very expensive when it started on these initial projects, which admittedly were, were smaller projects. And then now it's come down. It's, it's the um, the cheapest electricity around for uh, UK offshore wind. Bex doesn't have the same um, opportunity to get cheaper uh, like offshore wind does. Um, there's kind of a baseline cost for for um, for biomass in that it's very costly to ship trees across the Atlantic, and then uh, and then it's very expensive to um, and very complicated to burn them. It's it's a it's quite a process to to get there. So there's no there's not quite the same um, economies of scale that we could have um, from one plant in uh, in in the UK. Um, but that really doesn't get to the I guess my real fear uh, around Bex is that. Uh, with biomass there's uh, and with Bex, there's a real risk that the UK doesn't get what it's paying for. So this this huge um, uh, this huge bill um, it, it 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 could actually be um, uh, counterproductive to what we're um, what we're intending. Um, so basically, burning burning wood for power just has these enormous uh, long tail risks. Kind of so they in the worst case scenarios for for biomass. Um, it can be worse than coal, and so obviously in that in that situation of um, uh, if we're getting the wrong wood and we and we're uh, uh, the wrong scenario for um, for uh, bringing this wood in, um, we could we could be having a Bex project, which is actually a net emitter and not a carbon sink, and uh, and so and obviously we'd be paying through the nose for that. Um, so it's really important that we understand whether that's uh, whether that's what we're getting with the Drax project or not. Um, and uh, yeah, so so the the kind of feeling after completing this research is that there's there's a, a need for a lot more uh, understanding of what Bex can actually deliver, and and a lot more um, regulation to make sure that there aren't these um, these enormous risks that, in actual fact, we're contributing to to climate change when we run these BEX projects. Yeah, it, it, it does raise the, the issue of current net zero targets, which are uh, now in kind of policy fashion versus uh, aiming for, for maybe what some others might call uh, or what might be called absolute zero um, uh, or, a, or, or a kind of zero carbon target. Um, what are your thoughts on the current net zero focus and of using so-called negative emissions um do we need to amend our focus a little i mean do you think we're creating easy ways out for for offsetting and for polluters to um to just use offsets i think it's it's going to be the most interesting 
question and debate of the of the next few years trying to understand um so so basically built into all these models is uh is a huge amount of of negative emissions um the assumption is that these these technologies will appear and that could be it could be bex it could be um, direct air capture it could be afforestation and, and other ways of getting negative emissions um but there's there's there really is a huge reliance on this kind of silver bullet technology of of bex to deliver these negative emissions um i think like it, it makes it makes the drax project incredibly interesting because if the uh if it's established here as as it's beginning to look like that in actual fact the 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 bex isn't delivering the the negative emissions that it's uh it's promising then uh then that kind of sends a signal around the world to uh, uh, to other governments that are thinking about that have built in negative emissions and other companies indeed that have built in negative emissions into their their targets that they need to uh, think differently about them and they need to find a different way to get these negative emissions or uh, or go even further and think about the targets themselves um uh, trying to understand trying to understand what's what's actually um available is is quite it's quite difficult net zero is very in vogue at the minute and a lot of a lot of companies have committed to net zero alongside a lot of governments and and they're kind of uh yeah they've got this um they've got this hope that this technology will come through for them uh and there hasn't been much kicking of the tires to check whether whether bex actually delivers what it what it delivers um so i think that's the thing to uh to really kind of expose and, and it really needs some proper study to work out whether these these negative emissions targets are kind of built on sand um, one of your points with with bex i'm assuming or, or the use of bex and the development of bex i'm assuming might be that there just needs to be a kind of measured approach to how it's looked at and developed uh, is, uh, is that is that right is, is that fair so in other words you're um we just need to to have, have a, a a more uh we need to think more slowly about about how it's how it's developed and how it's used and that it seems to be rushed yeah so so with um with cop coming up at the end of the year the climate change conference uh the, the government is kind of um uh it has an incentive to kind of come up with a with a quick answer around around negative emissions and i think that's pushing it into a bit of a corner of uh of of trying to rush along with the technology that's really in its infancy um not just around the, the carbon capture and storage side but really understanding um uh biomass and i think that the science of biomass has really has advanced so much uh since since it began like uh, early on there was this you know very easy assumption when there wasn't much uh science around uh around forestry to say um yeah it's carbon neutral just go with that assumption and that that really has been uh undermined over the uh over the last decade or so um and, and that assumption just doesn't stand up anymore so it would be quite a um an unusual point in time to to wade into a um a huge uh bex project with without really understanding the understanding the the emissions inherent in biomass uh that are so essential to to making the bex project actually work i think we'd urge we'd urge real caution um and to try and uh you know that there's both the kind of the pilot scale for how uh the the storage actually works but also um 
and and more importantly working out uh where this wood is coming from what are the emissions actually inherent in the whole life cycle of the of the forest um and that and that's that's what we don't have an answer on yet uh, i'd like to ask you about ember's plans for for the next few years um and i think that ties into where you have the greatest concerns uh around energy and climate policy development over the future where where do you think the biggest problems are going to be in, in the coming years yeah well i mean one way of looking at it is that we've kind of we've done some of the easy stuff um uh no one really had to um no one in the uk has uh has had to even notice that the electricity coming out of the plugs now is uh is mainly coal free um so that was a kind of a relatively easy thing to do although with an absolutely enormous uh enormous lift around things like offshore wind um but but now we're there we've got we've got cheap renewables um, much cheaper than uh than gas or coal um, and so that's that's great that's that's easy and we can build out um we can build out renewables it's it's still a it's still a huge task to build out enough to um to meet this this 2035 uh, target but it definitely looks realistic that that can actually happen if um, if the government gets its act together um and particularly exciting i guess on top of that is is it's not just offshore wind it's floating offshore wind now that um uh, expands hugely the amount of uh of uh, power that's on offer um yeah so as i as i mentioned before the kind of the the counter to that is this this final bit we can get an enormous amount the backbone of the of the energy system coming from uh from renewables from wind and solar uh how do we do this this uh this final slice and that's the um that's the bit that's still worrying and there's not enough um money and research and uh going into that um that energy storage question um and how you do that final 10 percent, and it, it it gets controversial it gets it, it begins to bring in things like carbon capture and storage uh like nuclear um there's some difficult trade-offs um and then of course um biomass and so we need to uh i think we need to get this uh we, we need to get this right there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of kind of easy solutions floating around like um like hydrogen that uh that don't actually deliver um don't necessarily deliver huge emissions reductions they can but they uh but you need to do them correctly to to get it right and it's uh you know if we're if we're getting hydrogen from gas and from fossil gas then um then we're not getting the emissions reductions that we than we think we might be so uh similar issues to to biomass where when you do the basic accounting it looks it looks good and then when you dig a little bit a little bit deeper into the full life cycle and you understand that that maybe emissions aren't reduced quite as much as as we thought my thanks to phil mcdonald of ember for his time if you enjoyed the podcast please do subscribe or follow us and we'll hope to have more interesting interviews on climate topics in the very near future thanks for listening